Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire together out loud, chapter by chapter. Near the end, only a couple chapters left here. We're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 30. Uh, this is a big one. This uh, and the next chapter, uh, we're, we're seeing the end of an era and the beginning of something new. Um, it's not going to be all peachy when we get to 2 Samuel, uh, but uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, in chapter 30 here, um, you see the ESV title, David's Wives Are Captured. We remember in chapter 29, David has to go back um, to Ziklag, has to go back to Philistine territory. The Philistines are, are not exactly thrilled about the prospect of fighting alongside the, the Goliath Slayer. And so he gets sent back home, and when he gets back home, he realizes that the Amalekites have shown up. And while the armies were away, the Amalekites came and played. So how does he deal with the Amalekites? It's a really interesting story here, what happens. We, we get uh, Abiathar the priest again. We get the, the ephod, inquiring of the Lord. Um, so a, a lot of things going on. And then we ask ourselves, okay, like, where is all this going? This is, there's so much chaos uh, but is God behind it? Well, we find in many ways he is. Joining us today, one of our regular guests, we've got Pastor John Lekomsky, pastor from Southern Illinois, also one of the co-hosts of Wrestling with the Basics, which is on, like, I don't know how, they get you on like five days a week now or something like that. It's just like all the, I mean, I I don't know what. It's all the time now, it seems. I'm just joking. How are you doing, brother? Well, that's a sign of the apocalypse, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, no. It's Wednesdays and Saturdays, right? Yeah, yeah. Wednesdays at two and Saturdays at nine. So, uh, okay. I, uh, all right. Yeah. Somehow Those we're off central. the weekend schedule now. So, yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Very. And of course, very, as very everything good. is, everything is, you can get it anytime you want. You want to listen to this show anytime you want, right? You just That's go right. online, and and there it's all, all being podcasts. That's so, um, right. Yeah. My my wife can tell you that if you're having a hard time falling asleep, apparently my voice is very <laughs> soothing, <laughs> soporific. So if you're up in the middle of the night, just get the podcast. You know, just search for Thy Strong <laughs> and Thy Strong Sleep Aid. Boom. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so chap chapter 30 here, I mean, the these last two chapters of 1 Samuel, all leading up to like a whole bunch of deaths, uh, I mean, just lots of chaos just gets unleashed in these last couple of chapters, right? Well, and, and yet here's the thing, and, and boy, I love this chapter, because it is, it is the pattern of the Christian life that you and I are going through right now. Uh, we're going to get, it's a story about faith. It's a story about love. Uh, it's actually an illustration of the sixth petition, lead us not into temptation. And there's all kinds of beautiful Jesus stuff in this chapter too. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to share this chapter with our listeners because there's a lot of, a lot of practical stuff. Uh, but you're right. Yeah. It is a lot of chaos. But then, welcome to our world, huh, AJ? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> That's pretty much what it is right now, a lot of chaos. So, Well, and, and, and I think that maybe um, it'll give us a chance to talk about some of the other aspects, because I feel like, you know, everything is just so, like, coronavirus-oriented uh, mm. these days. Yeah. But, I mean, I think that, like, this is showing what happens a little bit in the uh, when you have power vacuums, right? Like with the yeah. with the Amalekites just swooping in, and we've seen in a lot of ways, kind of looking a little bit more deeply at our society, how different kinds of power vacuums have 
well, in lots of different ways, invited the Amalekites to come into our own backyard. So we can oh, maybe yeah. look at some of those yeah. sorts of things too. But um, yeah, let's let's go ahead, if you would, uh, start us out with a word of prayer. Oh, Lord, uh, do give us the gift of your Holy Spirit. It would be so easy to read over these words and say, oh, this is just some history from long, long ago. Uh, but no, this is the story of your people, and we're your people. So we should look for uh, the reflections of what happens in our lives and what's happening in the life of David and his followers. And we should also, of course, be looking for the, the, the pointing ahead to your son, Jesus Christ, as our Savior, as David is, of course, his anti-type. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so no, I, I've definitely been loving the, um, the the different, just cool, like, Christ typology, uh, that those different ways that you see uh, this kind of miniature uh, Christ figure in David uh, in lots of cool ways. We saw in the previous chapter, just in chapter 29, uh, David already demonstrating that in a way where he, he doesn't end up uh, confronting and um, attacking God's own people when it, when it seems like he, he would, right? Um, yes. in, in that moment, I, I kind of feel like it, it's almost like a first coming of Jesus where, you know, it, it seems like he should be coming in judgment. John the Baptist is like, you know, he's got the winnowing fork in his hand, right? But but yeah. he doesn't, right? Like So in, in some ways, I feel like this—you uh, uh, kind of had that almost. And then also, I think the big thing yesterday, we were looking at just how paradoxically David is both loyal— and uh, and honest with the with the Philistines, not honest, <laughs> but loyal. We'll stick with loyal. Loyal, loyal, loyal. to to yeah. both his yeah. his Philistine lord, uh, but also to uh, the the God of Israel and to to the people of Israel and to even the Messiah there, who is not all he's cracked up to be. And how our Lord showed that same kind of paradoxical loyalty and submissiveness to the authorities. That were put over him, even as they were unjust and corrupt, but but ultimately that allegiance to God, that that picture of a Christian life, like you were saying. Well, and, and what's neat about this chapter is you not only have uh, David uh, showing us the, the way it will be with the Anointed One, Jesus, who is the son of David, but you've also got another character in here who you just wouldn't expect, but he's he's all about Christ too. But we'll we'll get to that when we get a little further in the story. So. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's uh, I I love how some of the the minor characters really real. I mean, I mean, we we saw it with Abigail, right? I mean, like really take center stage oh, yeah. in important ways. Um, anything that we ought to be recalling from context here? We remember Ziklag is the the place in Philistine territory down south uh, that David and his men uh, were living in. It says where his two wives were. Uh, the the Philistines have gone off to to march uh, to to war against Saul. Uh, up north from this location. I mean, anything else in the context that we need to be keeping track of? No, that's what I was going to say. You you kind of laid that out, and, and so now that, uh, as you said, there's a power vacuum. Uh, David and and the Philistines are off in battle, and so they. Uh, how, how do you pronounce it? Uh, Amalekites. The Amalekites. Am I saying yeah. that right? Amalekites. Well, okay, so and we're all saying it wrong together. 
<laughs> I just try to be consistent. Uh, but again, yeah, now they see an opportunity to come back and, and maybe uh, wreck a little revenge on David because, you know, David has been attacking uh, the Amalekites as well. And so now that David is gone uh, fighting somewhere yep. else, uh, they, they take that opportunity. Right, yeah, and not not just uh, not just David, but just I mean, there's kind of this emptying, right, of of the Philistine territory as they all march north uh, to go to yep. go fight. And yeah, so that's right. the there's other Philistines, there. there's nobody left to yeah, yes, right, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But all right, so here we are, ESV translation of First Samuel chapter thirty from the top. Now. When David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negeb and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire, and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God, and David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. So David set out, and the six hundred men who were with him, and they came to the brook Besor, where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and four hundred men. Two hundred men stayed behind, who were too exhausted to cross the, uh, the brook Besor. They found an Egyptian in the open country and brought him to David. And they gave him bread, and he ate. They gave him water to drink, and they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. And David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? He said, I am a young man of Egypt, a servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because I fell sick three days ago. We had made a raid against the Negeb of the Carathites and against that which belongs to Judah and against the Negeb of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Will you take me down to this band? And he said, Swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this band. And when he had taken him down, behold, they were spread abroad all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped, except 400 young men who mounted camels and fled. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back all. David also captured all the flocks and herds, and the people drove the livestock before him and said, This is David's spoil. Then David came to the two hundred men who had been too exhausted to follow David, who had been left at the brook Basor. And they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless fellows among the men who had gone with David said, Because they did not go with us, 
we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except that each man may lead away his wife and children and depart. But David said, You shall not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. He has preserved us and given into our hand the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? For as his share is who goes down into the battle, so shall his share be who stays by the baggage. They shall share alike. And he made it a statute and a rule for Israel from that day forward to this day. When David came to Ziklag, he sent part of the spoil to his friends, the elders of Judah, saying, Here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. It was for those in Bethel, in Ramoth, Negeb, in Jatir, in Aurair, in Sifmoth, in Eshtemoah, in Rakal, in the cities of the Jeremalites, in the cities of the Kenites, in Hormah, in Borashan, in Atak, in Hebron, for all the places where David and his men had roamed. So uh, this is a this is an interesting thing here at the end. You know, he gives gifts gifts for his friends, right? I spent, sent part of the spoil. It says in verse twenty six, um, and that's really reminding me. If I'm not getting my wires crossed, of uh, Ephesians. I'm thinking about um, I'm trying to remember. Like I think it's like Ephesians chapter like three ish. Um, it'll be interesting to see if I'm anywhere near uh, correct. But there's this uh, there's this language I know this language that Paul uses where it, it says that he gives gifts and he's talking about the uh, the gifts that he gives to the church and this idea of uh, when Christ ascends right he he like has these gifts for us all so I don't know I mean like that that's kind of one thing that just kind of popped into my head um, I'm almost certainly not right about it being. Oh, hey, I wasn't too far. So this is this is interesting, right? This is a, so this is Ephesians yep. chapter four, right? And it says here, um, therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men, right? Like, I mean, that that just feels very thematically like this, the, the the leading the host of captives and, uh, and and like the gifts. Then, so I mean, I mean, he's like he's quoting uh, that, that Paul's not quoting this passage; he's quoting something in. Well, I mean, it's kind of a combination of like a uh, like like a psalm, really, Psalm sixty-eight. But of yeah. course, you know, could be. I mean, hey, maybe Psalm sixty-eight was talking about this. So I don't know. I mean, what what are, what are some of the thoughts that come to you looking at this? Well, well, you know, again, and we've talked about this before. That that's one thing I've discovered about Paul that I had not really known earlier in my ministry. I mean, he's an Old Testament uh, a professor. That that's what yeah. he is. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if he wasn't thinking of this and and of the Psalms. And of course, the numerous instances where uh, the enemies of of the Lord are taken captive, and then you come and and Jesus brings us gifts. Which one of the greatest gifts is that he has conquered the enemies of the Lord. And I do think that's the other neat thing in this particular verse. He doesn't say that I've come and, and, and given you from the spoil of the Amalekites, uh, but I'm giving you, these are the enemies of the Lord. This was not an act of vengeance on my part. I didn't go and attack them just because I was upset that they took my wives and children. Right. Of course, I was upset at that, but no, this is, this, is a, uh, uh, this is a religious war. These are the enemies of the Lord. In fact, uh, if you think about it, if Saul had done what God had commanded him, none of this would have happened. 
right? Yeah. Because they yeah. were supposed to be devoted to destruction. It was only because Saul didn't obey God's command that we've still got this problem. So, no, I agree with you completely. And I, I, that's the whole point. We got enemies, too. But but the Lord's going to deliver us from these enemies. And, and we have such a powerful illustration in this chapter about what we do when we have our struggles and trials. Yeah, no, cer- certainly we're we're the ones who are who are captured and uh, taken away by the Amalekites, and and it really is something to think about. Like you were saying, all this happens right ultimately because Saul didn't destroy the Amalekites when he should have earlier. Um, we saw earlier how um, after that had happened, uh, David, you know, he starts going on these raids, and one of the people that one of the people groups that he is raiding is the Amalekites. So he's been fighting the Amalekites, you know, for, for some time, even after Saul failed to, to get rid of them. And here we're just seeing, um, you know, just kind of front and center, how there's all these consequences for Saul's disobedience in this regard. But David, despite the failing of, of the first king, uh, shows himself to be a better king. And that, and that kind of juxtaposition, right, of course, that's probably one of the reasons why people are so hard on Saul, because um, he doesn't fall very well in that typology, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, in, in some sense, you know, I mean, like, Saul, David, John, uh, Solomon, you know, all of them are kind of the Saul that is superseded uh, in Christ, right? That, that Christ is the one who deals with the enemies that that ultimately no human king, no human savior ever could deal with. So here, yeah, let me give you my take on Saul and David real quick. And, and this comes from, from your study, AJ. I, I, I'm glad you invited me to be part of this because I had never uh, thought of this before. But there's this constant contrast between Saul and David, and you have it yeah. over and over again in this chapter. And, and so here's my take. The Israelites come and say, we want a king. And God yeah. says, well, that's the, that's the worst idea in the world <laughs> because you're rejecting me because I am your king. What do you need an earthly king for? Okay, okay, okay. You're asking for it. I'll give you what you asked for. And so he gives them a Saul who is not a good king who is only going to cause them more troubles and trials. And I think Saul, if we're speaking Lutheran terminology, he's the law. This is God coming and saying, this is a consequence because you've, you've rejected me. It says that explicitly in the scripture. You've rejected me in asking for a king. But then David, I think, is the gospel. Uh, David is where the Lord comes and says, even though your request was sinful and wrong, and you've seen that now in King Saul, I want you to know that I'm still the God of Hesed. I'm still the God of, of this, this love and this mercy. And so now I will give you one who, again, a, a, as you pointed out, will point ahead to an even better gift I'm going to give you. <laughs> okay? Uh, a yeah. true, real Savior. But anyway, that, that's what I've been yeah. kind of thinking. You, you can't really well, give him a good king to start off with because it wasn't a good request. So you give him a little law, and then you give him some gospel. Well, so, okay, this is really interesting, and, and this is um, something that just just uh, just thoughts coming to mind here listening. I, I wonder if, if maybe you could in some ways say that Saul and David sort of end up personifying the law and the gospel themselves— that it's not that the yes. law, you know, like it's like what Paul says. It's not like the law was ever a bad thing, right? I mean, God gave the law. He's not going to give us a bad thing, right? God gave them Saul. He's not going to give them a bad thing either, right? Um, it's that in some ways, you know, the way that Paul talks yeah, about yeah. it, it's like it's like the law overstays its welcome, 
right? Like he, he compares the law to a, um, <laughs> like a tutor or like kind of like a, like a guardian, like a, I forget the term, right? But it's, it's like something along these lines, like, you know, like uh, just someone who's there to kind of take care of the kids, right? Until they're mature. Uh, the problem is when the, this, he, this he's guardian- He's the pedagogue. This, he, yeah, yes, right? He, yeah, he's the just pedagogue. The, he's the guy that takes you to where you need to go. Exactly. In, in exactly, group. right? Yeah, so he yeah. he's the he's the 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 pedagogue and uh it's but, but what happens though when when that that role, right? Um just keeps on going, right? And and now you got the yeah. the 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 heir, right? In their 20s, 30s, 40s, right? And the thing is still there ruling over, right? Like no, this wasn't it wasn't supposed to be like this. This was supposed to give way to something else, right? And so similarly here, it's like Saul was not supposed to be reigning this long. <laughs> you know, he, he was supposed to step aside. He was paving the way for something for something better. So Saul was good when God gave him. It, it's just that you know this is this is what happens, right? And so the the good things of God get you know like so, like sin sinks their claws into them, and they stick around too long, and they start behaving not as intended. So, so the law becomes the problem when we think it's the way that we're going to get saved and that yeah. that's the plan. You keep the rules and then God will be nice to you. Uh, yeah. uh, and once the law f has that function, th then, then, yeah, then it's actually not a good thing. It's still a good thing because it is what God wants us to do. You're right. Saul was the king. They should have obeyed and honored the king. But of course, he then becomes, he does what the law is supposed to do, which is show us that we're sinners. And, and of course, Saul does show us that. He shows us the things that you and I are doing all the time that we shouldn't be doing. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And then we get David and everything gets kind of clarified in terms of, no, no, this is all about God's grace and mercy. This never was. A, it was what you needed to do in order to live in this world uh, uh, to be kind and loving to your neighbor. But it's not what you need to do to get God to be kind and loving to you. Uh, right, exactly. So, you know, there's there's this. Yeah. Saul, Saul serves his function. He, he does good things like he's, he's a servant of God. He shows humility. He he. Uh, I mean, he really he really speaks the words of the Spirit. Um, you know, the Spirit is upon him. All all, all these things, right? But it's when it's when we kind of start missing that, right? And, and you see that too. The way that Saul starts talking when he starts talking to his son, and he's saying, "Hey, you know, what are you are you you're making your mother out to be? Uh, you know, not a legitimate wife, right? Uh, what what are, what are you doing yeah. here? How are you supposed to be established, Jonathan, if David's alive? You're, right? So it starts turning into <laughs> no longer uh, about you know, serving God and, and, and fulfilling his purposes, but I want to leave a legacy, right? Um, and then once it starts becoming yeah, about yeah. our own legacy, now it's like, well, now hang on a second. How about God's purposes? And then I think that we we have that happen to ourselves all the time, right? I mean, and it's it's a danger, I think, in church work uh, all all the time, right? Because oh, you, you, yes. you go in and you're like, yeah, I'm going to serve God and, you know, I, I want to just deliver his word and, and do his will and and then somewhere along the way, right, it's like, oh, but I've got, like, the coolest approach or the best idea, <laughs> and I'm going to, like, leave this legacy, and I'm going to, you know, be remembered as, you know, hey, I didn't I didn't do church work the way that, you know, they did. You know, I'm doing it, you know, this really awesome way. And it's like once it becomes about our own legacy, like, it's just we all turn into really bad souls. So, so let me give you an illustration from the story you've been working on these past few weeks. So the, the job of Saul, the job of the law, was to destroy the enemy, uh, the yeah. Amalekites. He doesn't do that, okay? But what's worse is he actually 
builds a monument to himself for what he did do. <laughs> yeah. So true. talk about irony, huh? You didn't do what God commanded you, and yet, well, I did enough that we'll build a monument, and everybody will remember what I did to the Amalekites. And you're right, we, we do it all the time, and it is such a big temptation for us as church workers. I, I just want to give people the gospel. I just want them to let them know that God loves them, and you, you can't see that more clearly than in, in the gift of Jesus. And yet you're right, you're so right, AJ, but you know, I kind of did it in a really special way, didn't I? <laughs> yeah well right so well well and we special i did that <laughs> well that's right and and like you you know like saul probably thought to himself and said like hey you know i, I this was awesome i obeyed god's command and i did wipe whenever wherever <laughs> i found amalekites i did wipe them out but you know yeah, i was yeah. just really prudent and i only uh, went as far as i needed to capture the king because really that is, guys, it wasn't that what God's command was really about. It was about getting the king, right? That's what it was really about, right? That's the spirit of the law. Don't be so legalistic, right? I mean, like, it's so crazy. I mean, like, that, and that's the irony, right? Like, like there's Saul, it's like saying, like, oh, yeah, yeah no, I, I fulfilled the spirit. That's the gist of it, right? Like, God, that's, that was the big yeah. idea. And, and we just do the same thing. Um, there's a lot more we could say, but it's already past time for our break. Everybody, hold on. We're looking at First yeah. Samuel chapter 30 on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. News Digest host Kip Allen. Life, family, and religious liberty are major issues in the upcoming election. What do the candidates say about these issues? Washington Observer and Focus on the Family Vice President Tim Gigline discusses these issues and what's at stake on World Lutheran News Digest, Wednesday at 2.30 and Saturday at 9.30 on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. This has been quite a year, a lot of uncertainty. But there is one thing you can count on if you're a member of the Concordia Plans. Your benefits through the Concordia Plans are always with you to help keep you physically, emotionally, and financially healthy. Protect yourself and your family by signing up for your health care benefits, along with additional insurance and saving for retirement. Choose your 2021 benefits November 2nd through the 20th at concordiaplans.org slash myaccount. Concord Matters is the program where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, Christ-confessing Concordians read through and discuss the Book of Concord, which is our Lutheran confession of faith drawn from Holy Scripture, so that you too may be of one mind and confess with Christ. Be sure to listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio or anytime on KFUO.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Until we convene for Concord again, keep confessing, church. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 30, a very interesting chapter that we've made a number of connections to already. Um, is this what Psalm 68 is looking at? You know, I, 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 didn't, I should have really looked at that beforehand. Maybe we can look over at it uh, briefly today still. We're joined today by our guest, Pastor John Lekumski, pastor from Southern Illinois, also one of the co-hosts of Wrestling with the Basics. 
here on KFUO live Wednesdays at 2 in the afternoon and 9 on Saturdays in the morning. That's central time, but also, of course, available as a podcast anytime as well as Thy Strong Word. Just check out whatever podcast app you use. Give that a download. If you are listening live, though, part of the fun is you can join the conversation. Give us a call, 1-800-730-2727. Or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or get on the live stream, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. Um, so one of the questions, really kind of two of the questions here about the giving of the gifts to friends, right? Kind of like what that maybe entails. Is this like stuff that they had lost? Um, is this uh, a way of kind of repairing a relationship that had gotten more distant? Uh, yeah, no, this is... Uh, this this is this is interesting. Uh, kind of let's look into some of the more of the elements of this giving of gifts. I, I think it's you know it's just fascinating too. It, it goes and it does this listing of these different places, right? Once you get to verse twenty six, and, and it starts going and lists all these cities, and it's right about then, right, where your eyes glaze over and you're like, uh, lists of places I don't know. <laughs> But like you know, it's so it's so fascinating how the Bible is so deliberate with these lists, and like whenever there's like lists of places, it's like I don't know. I, I think the 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 story is being told like like this is one of the exciting things, <laughs> like you know, like stand up when you hear your tribe name kind of thing. Um, so it's just a we, we've talked about that before a little bit. Uh, but yeah, we want to uh, kind of cap off the conversation we were having before the break. Don't want to forget, though, to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, their website, lhfmissions.org. Thank you guys for underwriting Thy Strong Word. Uh, so, yeah, before the break, we were just uh, kind of talking about this, how, you know, Saul, in, in many ways, with, with the ways that he failed, was kind of saying, like, oh, you know, I basically did it, and yeah, you know, that is good enough. Um, you know, and, and we do the same thing too, right? That today we, we look at the Bible and we say like, well, you know, I mean, it wasn't the big idea just <laughs> that we do this or, or that or, you know, I mean like, and actually, wow, I've, I actually was just seeing, I was reading an article just yesterday about this very thing. You know, of course there's, um, a lot of stir and buzz with the confirmation hearings, right? Of, uh, the Supreme Court justice nominee, right? And, a lot of the conversation has been intersecting, um, you know, the nominee's faith. And uh, I was reading an article that was written by someone, I guess, who went to the same, like, all-girls Catholic school or something like that. And, you know, and, and this author was trying to make the point that, like, well, you know, it, it's—there's this view that you're legislating or you're, you're kind of institutionalizing your own personal beliefs— at the expense of other people, and is that what is that really what the faith is about? Really, you know, isn't the faith about you know, and then kind of insert whatever thing you want to make it about? But I mean, this is this is the the this is where Saul went wrong. This is where David went wrong. This is where every single king, yes. <laughs> every single king, oh. is going to go wrong when they say, "Well, God said this, but isn't it really about?" I mean, isn't that kind of <laughs> what the serpent said? Like God said this, but isn't it really about? Yeah, did he really say you shall yeah. not eat? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And that, of course, is the tragedy of Saul. When you read through Saul's story, he gets chance and chance again, and all he needs to do is repent. 
all he needs to do is say, Lord, no, I, I haven't done what you've asked me to do. And it could have been a total different end, but he, he never does that. He just won't do that. Um, well, you know, so... I, before, uh, go, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I, I'd like to go back to the beginning of the story if I could, yeah. because we had something happen this morning that could have just been uh, a happy coincidence, although I'm hoping that it's more the work of the Holy Spirit, because it just happened that my wife and I are doing the large catechism, and we just did the sixth petition about lead us not in temptation, yeah. and it occurred to me that one of the things there fits this story perfectly, if I could just share that real quickly. Sure. So, so because it begins with tragedy, right? It begins yeah. with David and his men coming back. Uh, he's lost two of his wives. He already lost one wife to Saul. He loses his children. His own people are ready to stone him to death. Can you get much worse than that, AJ? <laughs> you know, yeah. talk about things going wrong. But yeah. uh, here's what it says in the large catechism under the petition, lead us not into temptation. These are the great grievous perils and temptations which every Christian must bear, even if they come one by one, as long as we remain in this vile life in which we are attacked, hunted, and harried on all sides. And I thought, well, there's David, attacked, hunted, and harried, even by his own followers. Uh, but then that chapter, our paragraph that concludes, we are constrained to cry out and pray every hour that God may not allow us to become faint and weary and to fall back into sin, shame, and unbelief. Yep. Otherwise, it is impossible to overcome even the least temptation. And that, of course, is what this story is about. What does David do in the face of all that? Same stuff that we struggle with all the time. He is strengthened in the Lord. Isn't that what it said? Something in that kind of language well yeah um, no and, and it's an interesting uh, little verse there and yesterday uh cheryl had called in and had mentioned that verse too that you know like see, seeing god's providence and all this that that god allows david to be rejected by the philistine lords and there's these good things that come from it one david doesn't have to end up fighting against israel and then two he gets back to ziklag and he finds out about this having happened right i mean you know, Lord yes. knows what would have happened, you know, literally Lord knows, right, if David had gone off to war and, like, fought with, with Saul and all the rest of them, and then only after all of that made his way back to Ziklag, and who knows? I mean, the Amalekites could have been long gone by then. I mean, what, would he have been able to uh, recover, like, all the spoil and all the people, right? It wasn't just his two Probably wives. Not. It was everyone's sons and daughters, right? So, I mean, yeah. it's it's, it's a really something that God allows that to happen, um, and, and then to, to your point, you know, right here, that God would allow even David to be rejected, it seems like, or on the verge of rejection, by the people, right? Because that, that's an interesting twist. It's not just the Philistine lords, but it says here, all the people who are bitter in soul, back in chapter 22, those are the people who rallied around David, right? The people yeah. who are on the fringes who said, like, hey, look, here's a guy who is going to stand up for I mean, the little people, something like this. But now they're starting to turn on him, but God uses even that uh, in his providence. And, and, and can't you see Jesus just shining through? Because uh -huh. isn't that exactly uh -huh. the same thing that happened to Jesus Christ? Even his own, his yeah. own disciples abandoned him. And yet again, what's he pray? Uh, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. He turns 
to the Lord his God to strengthen himself, which is, of course, what, what David does here. And, and God grant that we realize that when we have these temptations, that we would pray, well, Lord, don't allow these temptations to, to overwhelm us. Um, in fact, let me read one more paragraph from the large catechism yeah. because it's so cool. This then is leading us not into temptation when God gives us power and strength to resist, even though the tribulation is not removed or ended. For no one can escape temptation and allurements as long as we live in the flesh and have the devil prowling about us. We cannot help but suffer tribulations and even be entangled in them. But we pray here that we may not fall into them and be overwhelmed by them. So uh, I, I thank the Lord for leading Lynn and I to be reading that this morning because, I, yeah, this is what it's all about for us. Great struggles and trials and tribulations. Do not be surprised by that. But then, as you said, God uses that so we will turn to him and that he might strengthen and deliver us. Yeah, and I think that you see that, um, as you were saying, in, in the Gospels then, and uh, especially in Luke chapter 4, uh, where it says, you know, he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, right? And, and we know the story, he reads uh, from the scroll of Isaiah, and it's just so fascinating, right? Like, the, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, Right. I mean, just yeah. amazingly Davidic stuff here, right? I mean, the, the Spirit of the Lord was upon David. He had anointed him to uh, proclaim good news to the poor, the, the bitter in spirit, right? And, and so yeah. Yeah. the very, very Davidic moment, the stuff that we've been looking at in First Samuel, but, you know, what, what, what ends up happening, right? What ends up happening at, at the end of this little story in Luke chapter 4 is that the people— um, they they want to they want to kill him, <laughs> they 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 yes. want to drive him out of the town. They want to throw him off the the hill, right? And uh, elsewhere, you see like in the Gospel of John where they pick up stones and they they want to stone they him. Want to stone him? Yeah, it's almost yeah. yeah. It's just incredible the connections. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so this is the same sort of stuff that's going to happen to the Lord Jesus. That that it's not just that the that the leaders are going to reject him in the way that you know David was rejected by the Philistine lords. Um, but he's also going to be in different ways, in different moments, rejected by the people, the very poor people, the bitter people, the disenfranchised people that he is uniquely serving. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so then, yeah. So then, I, I think then um, to to kind of catch the the bigger point of what how you were kind of leading us, the um, that that idea of how then we. Uh, see, as we go through life, and well, you know, by God's grace, many of us are not necessarily in a position where we're, we're facing uh, the potential of being stoned to death, right? Uh, but, you know, we, we find ourselves in these situations where, yeah, we're definitely not getting the support, recognition, acknowledgement, uh, thanks, gratitude <laughs> that, that we might uh, hope, right, to be receiving uh, for the ways that we're trying to serve God and to help people. Um, but yeah, the, the, the point is never that we're going to avoid all these things, but that like, as you were saying that we would finally be delivered from them. So, so now here's the problem though, AJ, as, as we go through the story and I'm, I, it'll be interesting to see what, what your thought is about this. So, so, so David, he seeks the Lord for strength and that's the fundamental lesson. A anybody out there listening to us that have, have a tribulation and I'm sure everybody does 
The, the answer is not for you to follow the law, like you said. It's not for you to come up with a plan and figure out how to do this. No, it's for you to turn and pray to the Lord. That's where you begin. You've got to look to the Lord for strength. That's the phrase. But see, David has the advantage then that he calls Abiathar, and Abiathar yeah. brings out the ephod. And, yeah. and uh, I don't think it actually uses, does it use the word human and thermon here? Um, Wait, which word? I, I don't... Uh, oh, the so, urim you know, and tumim. No, it doesn't, it doesn't mention yeah. that. It just says the ephod, no. but I mean, it's it's clear implication, it, though. It's kind of implied. It's kind of implied. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, of course, we, we've got this whole contrast again between David and Saul. David and Saul, because Saul also has tribulations, and he he does not consult the Lord. He goes after the uh, uh, the witch at Endor. You know, he does exactly what the Lord says you don't do when you got problems. He consults a medium. Um, yeah. and, and, but, but so what do we do? We don't have an ephod to consult about what we should do. Yeah. Well, no, no, that, that's a, that's a fair question. I, I think that, um, no, I think it's a really good question. And I think it shows the way that we just very often, um, just import all these, this, this host of assumptions. I think, and I'm really glad you mentioned, um, the, the contrast with Saul and the medium, right? Because Saul, right. He goes to the medium because he's like, okay, look, um, I need, I know what I need, I know what I want, right? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I have to beat these guys. I gotta survive. I gotta have my son survive, right? Like, I have to, I have to leave my legacy, right? Like, I know what I want and what I need. Like, how do we get God? <laughs> how do we shake this magic eight ball, right? <laughs> to get us to the, to the right answer, right? Like, how can we get this to come up the way that we want it? And, and so and so Saul is just shaken and shaken and shaken, and it's like, well, my goodness, like, the guys with the ephod aren't panning out for me, the sacrifices aren't working, so let's just go to the medium, right? Like, somebody shake this eight ball one more time for me. Um, and that's just such a different, such a different response, really, than the way that David responds, because he says, you know, this is a terrible situation, I've I've lost my wives. We've lost our like the, the children and our and our servants. The place has been burned. I mean, they're they're mourning. It says that I mean, like they're they're mourning and mourning until they have no more strength. It says right. So it's it's a devastating loss, and he allows himself to feel that loss. But it's not. Hey, Abiathar, tell me, you know, what's the best way I can make those dirty, no good Amalekites pay? Right. <laughs> it, it's no. I mean, I mean, I think this is the thing, though. Like, when it says strengthened himself in the Lord, it is not, uh, I guess, in our modern perspective, it's not he strengthened himself. Because we, we hear strengthen ourselves, and we think to ourselves, God gives us energy to do the things we want to do. Nope, not at all. Um, if, if that's how we're thinking about strength, then we should read this as David surrendered all his strength to the Lord his God. The, the point is he commits himself to whatever God's going to say. And he's like, you know what, this is, a, this is a mess, this is a disaster, I've got all kinds of emotions, but I'm just going to do whatever God says. Um, if God says, don't chase after the Amalekites, I won't do it. I'm not going to assume that I know the answer and the cure and the thing that I need. I'm just going to set aside all of my presuppositions and assumptions and just let God take over. And, and now we're back to Jesus, aren't we? Because yeah. we know what Jesus feels in his flesh. 
He feels yeah. that I don't want to die. Who wants yeah. to be crucified? Lord, take this cross away from me. But, but AJ, man, what a profound insight you've just shared with us. But the answer is not my will, thy will be done. And you're absolutely right. When Saul prays to the Lord, Saul says, I know exactly what I want to do. I'm just looking for someone to tell me that's okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't right. really need any advice here. I'm not looking to be guided by the will of the Lord. I know what I want. I just want someone to say, yeah, that's a good idea. And you're right. Here, David is saying, I don't know. I really don't. And, and oh Lord, you just have to lead me. Uh, it seems like the thing I should go and try to rescue them. But should I? Shall I pursue after this man? Shall I overtake them? See, see at, and, and so there you go. Now we've learned a wonderful thing. Don't go to the Lord pretending you want the Lord's strength when really all you want is an excuse to do what you want to do anyway. Uh, right. But if you're going to go to the Lord, you really need to say, all right, Lord, this is entirely in your hands. Uh, it's not that we don't do anything. I think we need to talk about that. We, we need yeah, to no, do no, stuff. No, no, it's true. Uh, no, it's, not, it's, not, it's not passive, right? It's not, it's not no, you just, no. in, the, in the sense of, right, you just kind of wait for things to happen. This is, so this is the same verbal root. We talked about this briefly. Uh, that's used in Joshua, you know, be strong and very courageous, right? And what's he saying there, right? Well, he's saying, look, uh, this is the word of the Lord, um, listen to this, obey this, because in the context of Joshua, you got to think about this. God's going to say, go there. Oh, yeah, that's right, Dan. Uh, over there where, like, Ashkelon and, like, all these cities of the Philistines are, go there, I will give them into your hand, and you will possess this land. And Dan's like, are you kidding me? Like, over there, those cities of the Philistines? Forget about that. You know? And so, see, this, so this is the thing, right? I mean, it, it's, it's, it's scary, because to, to say you surrender yourself to God's will means— like you were saying, God's going to say, go there, go to this scary place, do that scary thing. And you're like, there's no way I'm doing that. Uh, but but it, that's, so, it, so it's not passive, though. <laughs> well, then it's all Jesus again, isn't it? Because Jesus says, take this uh, away from me. But no, thy will be done. All right, well, if that's where you're leading me, if that's where you tell me I need to go, well, then that's where I will go. Uh, and you're right. Jesus Christ says to us, take up your cross and follow me. We don't want to hear that. <laughs> No, but but there you go. That but see, here's the cool thing. See, we can do that because it's not going to come from us in our flesh. No, now we're back into the things that tempt us, that allure us to do the opposite of what the Lord wants. But but with the help of the Spirit of the Lord, as you already said, yeah, no, we will accomplish things that we never would have dreamt we could have accomplished, but not by our own strength, but by being strengthened uh, by the Lord our God. Um, Amen. I would throw one more comment in too. Don't ever, don't ever regret that we don't have an ephod, because we've got <laughs> stuff a lot better than ephods. We, we've got the Lord's Supper, we've got yeah. Holy Baptism, we've got the entirety of Scripture. We, yeah. we forget these people didn't have the Bible as we have the Bible, and yeah. trust me, that that beats an ephod any day. If you have to choose between having the entirety of God's revelation in yeah. the Old and New Testament with having some kind of magical stone. Choose the scriptures. Yeah, yeah. I got something, a little tangent I could go off of, but uh, sure. r yeah. remind me when we're done with this bit. Uh, we have a phone call here from James okay. uh, with some questions for us. Good morning, brother. Good, good to hear from you. What are you thinking about today? Good morning. Hi, James. Well, first I like, hello, Pastor. How are you? Um, I'm fine. I'd like to first say, yeah, good, 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 that... Uh, the Bible study group really enjoyed your exposition at the end of yesterday's Bible study, and mm -hmm. uh, we wanted to let you know about that. Yeah, thanks. Um, and and today, 
uh, it was interesting that you talked about a leadership vacuum, and we'd mm-hmm. like to know how this leadership vacuum is uh, analogous to uh, the chapter today. Is there a leadership yeah, okay. vacuum in the civil and political society today that we can find in this chapter? And for our yeah. venerable pastor, our yeah. good venerable pastor, uh, <laughs> we like to... <laughs> We like it's to okay. know if if uh, if David in this chapter is promoting the redistribu- redistribution of wealth <laughs> as a civil and yeah. biblical standard. You that's, know, that's, that's, uh, a, that's a good. That's a creative question. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Are, are these are these evil men that yeah. do not want to share or redistribute sure. the wealth? Are yeah. they uh, to their comrades? Uh, are they an example of evil leadership? today in this postmodern yeah. society and if if you can help us with that we really appreciate yeah. it oh yeah those are those are great questions james i love it i, I love it um okay so let, let's start with the the first one for the not as venerable pastor myself uh <laughs> it's okay uh yeah pastor lukomsky has got a few years on me for uh increased veneration so that's that's totally fine um so leadership vacuum today so so yeah so what what happens right like so the there's this impetus to go to war, right? And uh, we we're kind of struggling with exactly yesterday, like what what exactly is going on here? Why, you know? I guess it seem most most scholars seem to think that they were marching north up to not Jezreel, whatever city in Judah that might be, but up to like the Valley of Jezreel by Mount Gilboa, right? So why why are we all just going way over there for this, you know, far flung battle objective, right? Well, for for whatever reasons that might be, the the result is, yeah, all this stuff down south is just kind of like just you know ripe for the taking with the Amalekites. Um, and, and and the thing is, what's fascinating too is like David, you know, he's trying to be loyal, and so he initially goes with Achish, right? And 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 that because of his loyalty, right, that actually ends up kind of creating uh, or like helping to create the vacuum then that the Amalekites take advantage of. So I think this is this is a really interesting dynamic then, because I think that for ourselves in our own society, we think to ourselves, well, you know what, there's this, there's this, uh, I don't know, the seat of power, right, that's in play. If we don't grab this thing, someone else is going to come in and swoop in and take it, and they're going to have the power position. We can't possibly let that happen. And so we end up with this this uh, feeling like that we is like kind of, I don't know, like the righteous uh, segment of the electorate needs to try to seize as much of this power or else there will be a vacuum. Whereas I don't think that that's the way that David and our Lord Jesus Christ are actually illustrating this. That I think the, the way that they're illustrating this is saying, hey, you know what, guys? It's not all about trying to seize as much of the power. Yeah, uh, it's true. If if we don't, then someone else may come, and that might be bad. But what? How does the story unfold? Right? God gives them into David's hand anyway. So I, I think this is actually one of these like, seek ye first the kingdom uh, and God's righteousness, and all these will be added to you. I, I think this is a, a good corrective for us. We, I, I'm seeing a lot of desperation among Christians, and especially in America, that we got to like you know grab this power and make these changes while we can. Or else, you know, they're going to come swooping in, and I just don't think that that's the the picture in Scripture. I, I think that we have to have more faith than that. Yeah, sometimes our our good 
ethical response to things going to result in evil people taking advantage of it? Sure, that's what's happened since the very beginning, though. And, and, and I think that's the same thing dealing with the uh, wicked and worthless fellows among the men uh, yeah. that uh, James was talking about. It, it, it's an illustration, again, that this is a sinful world. And, and of course, we fall into that, too. That's, that's what we need to be aware of as we're arguing these political issues. I guess we need to ask ourselves, are we really looking for morality here? Or are we looking for our own selfish interests, what we want, what we think is best? And chances are everybody's doing that, Republican, Democrat. It's what sinful people do. Yeah. But I think what's the great thing in this story is does that stop God from giving them the victory? Obviously not, because right. that's the point. The victory over the Amalekites was not because this was such a faithful band that went off to war. The victory over the Amalekites is because it's God's gift. It's God's victory. In fact, David affirms that, doesn't he? This is what the Lord yeah. has given us, he says, which is why we don't need to worry about keeping it all ourselves. Why, in fact, we should be open and willing and want to share this. Because that's the other thing that's so powerful in this text, the, the, the idea that from faith and flows the fruit uh, of love for the neighbor. Because uh, that is seen over and over again in this text, that it's not about keeping all this stuff, because it's the stuff the Lord gave us, and therefore we should want to, and we should be eager to share this with anyone we find in need. Could we, real quick, before we get, I want to deal with this Egyptian guy that, that leads them, <laughs> uh, 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 because I, I think that's Jesus again in the story. Okay, okay. Well, what do you think? You've got, this, you've got this Egyptian slave who's almost dead, right? I mean, yeah. He's just an edge from dying, and yet he's the one who will show them where the enemy is, lead them so that they can have the victory, because Otherwise, how are you going to find the Amalekites out in the wilderness? These right. are nomads. They're Roman. Uh, and when I saw that, I thought, well, that's Jesus again, isn't it? Except he wasn't almost dead. He really was dead. He did die. Uh, and yet uh, he is the source of our deliverance. So I'm sorry. I just got to stick Jesus in whenever I can. <laughs> uh, well, that's, so. that's fascinating here, right? That he's, he's kind of a... Well, I mean, you know, he's a, he's a servant of Egypt, servant to to an Amalekite, right? It says young man. That's just yeah. kind of like a, a serving man or something like that. So he's like just not somebody that they would be impressed with or particularly inclined to be friendly towards, right? And it says he fell sick three days ago. I thought you were going to make something of that, right? But then, oh, well, you know, there you go. Yeah, we could do that revived, too. Right? He's yeah, revived yeah. and he leads them right to the spoil to the gifts that David gives, right? So I mean, I, I yeah. think that overall, in any case. Maybe it doesn't line up one-to-one, -one, but this is certainly a resurrection, ascension kind of chapter here where you've got, you know, just this, this image of how Christ goes and defeats the enemies that our human kings can't deal with, um, and, and then how when he is revived on that third day, he brings gifts to us, his friends, the ones he calls friends by grace. Thank you so much, brother. Man, there's just there were too many things that we just couldn't even talk there about, was. but awesome stuff. Always a pleasure to talk with you, brother. Everybody, that was Pastor John Lekomsky from Southern Illinois. We're going on to the final chapter of First Samuel next time. Until then, everyone, I'm Pastor H. Espinosa. Peace. KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.